In this week's episode, Alan and I announce the Triple Crown winner, talk top 10 and tournament of champions, and discuss in depth a couple of the rule changes going into effect in 2023. We hope you stick around for this one. You're listening to the UKC Hunting Ops Podcast, celebrating hunting dog heritage, competition, and community. United Kennel Club has been the hunting dog sports home for coonhounds, beagles, retrievers, pointers, cur feist, and more for over 125 years. This podcast is fueled by Yukonuba, the official performance dog nutrition partner of UKC. Welcome back, everybody, to the UKC Hunting Ops Podcast. This is Trevor Wade, Coonhound Program Manager here at UKC, and I'm joined by Mr. Alan Gingrich, the Director of Hunting Ops. How's it going? How's it going today, Alan? Good, good, good. good. Yeah, excited to be talking hounds again. Yeah. Uh, it's been a while. We just got back from uh, one of your Beagle Gun Dog events down there in Cleveland, North Carolina, and we had a blast over there. Yeah, that was a little different for you, probably. It was. We, you know, I think we went to one back. Uh, in April, last weekend in April, was it uh, to the to a kind of a different format, but yeah, same same premise. SPO National Championship in Mississippi, yeah. So this one's a little different than that, but a lot of the same concepts. Yeah, we had beautiful yeah. weather, good good dog people there, and we had oh, a, yeah. we had a real good time there. Yeah, matter of fact, we did some recording there for the podcast stuff, so you're gonna uh, probably hear about that next week. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And they got some good interviews. So that'll be that'll be a fun listen. And I hope some of our Coonhound guys, there's a lot of crossover there between guys who who run back uh, rabbits and beagles and matter of fact, and, one of the guys that was in the world championship placed what uh in top 16, twenty six. Robert Hutchins. Robert Hutchins was yeah. there with the he had on the uh chicken dog, dog named Chicken. Yeah. He was there in the at the trial and had was competing there. Yeah. I had to pick his brain a little bit. I don't know how people stay up all night coon hunting and then uh cut loose beagles in the morning to run rabbits with they're tougher than i am i know you know i had to take a second uh take when he showed up he kind of popped in there you know and i thought he looked familiar but you know at a beagle trial you don't expect really to see somebody like that there and I, it took me a little bit to get it figured out it's like oh there you go that's who that is yeah i know it's not uncommon for people to run both but uh competing at both at high levels like the world championship and a national championship is, yeah. is impressive to be yeah. able to tune dogs up in both of those so, absolutely speaking of hunting dogs i, I know uh you got uh, you got some vacation coming up here this weekend and next week, right? I do, you know. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna hit the UP, bud. Yeah. It's it's that time. Poor Usu- Henry and Homer, they better be rested up. Yeah, they are. And usually, I have the I've had them up there several times, you know, for a day or two, you know, just to kind of get them in shape a little bit. And I just did not have time this year, but uh, so we'll just take it slow and plan on taking about a ten day vacation. Going to run some dogs. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be a blast. How's the weather looking up there right now? Well, you know, as we're recording this, they've got a storm coming in, and they're calling for parts of the UP to have up to uh, over a foot of snow. But Jeez. I don't think not where I'm going, so I, I'm thinking that's further north and further west. But uh, a little snow is good, but two three two feet is is not what I'm looking forward to. <laughs> <laughs> you never know this time of year up here. Yeah, it, it's just, no, hey, been my, a lot of- my brother Paul, he's all fired up about it. He's bringing a, he's bringing an RV up this year. So we're going to have that. We're going to have a, a, another wall tent. And this year we, last year we had some propane tanks in there for heat. This year we've got a stove and we're going to burn some wood this year. So it's, it's going to be primitive, but it's going to be good and fun. I <laughs> hope. Going to have the Houndsman XP guys up there doing a live podcast from the camp again. Well, I think Chris might be coming up there, so we'll see. I yeah. hope he does. Yeah, those are always fun to listen to. Yeah, yeah. So, 
uh, today's today's episode is going to be uh, kind of uh, talking about the end of our programs going up. We're here at the end of the year. A lot of our stuff is wrapping up. Uh, so in this episode, we're going to announce who our Triple Crown winner is. Uh, we're going to talk about the top 10 Ben Show uh, race ending. Yeah. This is the last last month of it. And then also we're going to talk about the TOC, which is uh, Tournament Champions, which yeah. is winding down real quick. Yep. And like you said, it, our events have kind of been wrapped up and it doesn't seem that long ago. You and I were sitting right here in this very place talking about uh, the upcoming Autumn Oaks. And yeah. here we are. It's a, it's a wrap. It, it flies you know, by August, oh. September, October, they fly by. Yep. And, uh, before you know it, we're here, we're here announcing this things, but, uh, Hey, you know, this is, this is the third time that we've talked about the triple crown on this, on this podcast. And that just goes to show how important it is to us. This is one of our premier uh, programs that we have and it, something that we invest a lot into. Yep. And we want to highlight guys who, who perform at the highest level and in all three of our, our major event segments. For sure, for sure. You know, our winner this year, it didn't, uh, it it got exciting down to the end and it didn't, uh, it went all the way down to the wire, you know. So there's some interesting little notes that we're going to be talking about how it, uh, how it'll happen and everything. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and without further ado, this year's uh, Triple Crown winner is Knight Champion Indian Creek Nova. This is a four-year-old English female owned by Gregory Wallace in Randolph, Alabama. Yeah. Yep, and you know he's been in this uh, he's been in this position before uh, to uh, to uh, you know in contention for it. And the last time I didn't I forgot about it, but it, I think it was what 2014. Yeah, he was in he was in contention for it and got beat out on a tiebreaker, uh, basically in the same position he was in this this year. Other uh, except for he was on the other side of the That's tiebreaker. Right. Yeah, our first tiebreaker. So him and uh, Chad McCoy with the Black River Poncho Dog right. in Hartford City, Indiana, they right. actually tied with the exact same amount of points. Yeah, 175 points accrued across the three events. And so at that point, uh, it comes down to who accrued the most plus points in their cast wins at those events of the year, and that's where uh, that's where Greg had the uh, had the advantage and was able to secure his win at the Triple Crown. Yeah, and like I mentioned there, then 2014 he was on he was the he was on the other side. He was on Chad's side there, so yeah. he's experienced that as well. So, congratulations to him. Good guy. Yeah, great guy. Yeah, I've I really got to know him this year at some of our major events and talking to him through messages and different things. And he's he's one of the good guys in the sport that we talk about a lot. He's a really family oriented guy. You yeah. at these major events, you're always going to see him with his dad Greg and his son Reese. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, just make it a whole family a whole family thing. And that's what I love about our major yeah. events. A lot of them are just enjoyable for the whole family to be there. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, he it was uh. Last time we talked, they were kind of tied going into the zone. Uh, Chad and uh, and Greg with uh, Nova and Poncho going into the zones, and both of them were able to secure one cast win on the weekend of the zones. Unfortunately for Chad, he didn't have enough to advance to the the finals in Dyersburg, Tennessee. But Greg did. He had a he had a cast one cast win that was good enough to advance to Dyersburg, Tennessee. So he he was tied. He already had the lead as far as uh, total points. So he and, ar- he already had Poncho beat at that point, yep. but he still didn't have it wrapped up. Right. There were a few dogs that could have made a run all the way to the finals. Uh, once we get there and uh, the first round shakes out, that's whenever we know that that Nova yeah. and Greg have have secured yeah. the win at that point. Yeah. So that that's a that's fun and congratulations to Greg. I had a chance to talk to him a little bit. Um, about it afterwards, and uh, I want to talk a little bit about Nova. And he says this here Nova is a complete outcross of his line of dogs. He's uh like the dog in 2014, the Wallen Split uh, Split Tree Abbey was his dog that he was hunting back then, mm-hmm. and that's the line of dogs that he's had for a while. And he got this Nova dog um, 
as a, a total outcross from his line of dogs that he's hunting right now. And he uh, had uh, breeding plans for the dog in the future. And now, obviously, the dog turned out to be a top performer as well. So he's competing at a high level with her too. But uh, I, we talked a little bit about Nova's breeding here. Uh, you, anything stand out to you here about her, her breeding? Yeah, well, obviously on the top side, you know, uh, Top Gun, uh, Wilcox is Thunder Top Gun, world champion right there. And her sire is off a of Top Gun, River Swamp Crow, a Grand Knight champion. And then, uh, you know, on the on the, there, you, I see a dog named Moore's Hard Time Rocky, too. That's a dog that won, was a winning dog back in the day. Richard Moore owned that dog. Yeah. Uh, won a lot in the uh, series, annual series uh, that we had here at UKC. A very well-known dog. Uh, and then the bottom side, uh, uh, Looney's big Oconee River Lola, you know, Big River Dan, some of Moody's big chopper. Some of those dogs are come out of South Georgia uh, of uh, Mark Looney, you know. So uh, I've seen a few of those. I've seen uh, Big River Dan go, just a nice dog. And, uh, yeah, a, a really nice pedigree here and no not, accident, I'd yeah, say. Not a surprise that this right, dog's put right. in this situation. And a good-looking yeah. female, too. Yeah, talking to Greg, this uh, he, he really likes this Nova dog, and he finds himself hunting mostly major events through the year. Obviously, he has a son, I, uh, Reese. I'm not sure exactly how old he is, probably 19 years old, uh, something around there. Uh, so he's kind of tied up a lot, but uh, he do, they do make it a point to make it to quite a few major events, and yeah. a lot of Nova's yeah. wins this year have come at major events. Yeah. Kind of looking at her, her wins here, she she did uh, get a cast win in, at Winter Classic last year. Obviously doubled up at Winter Classic this year, uh, 750 on Friday night. Got a good high placement there and 50-plus 50, uh, 50 on Saturday to uh, secure the double cast win. Uh, qualified the dog at the Cottondale, Alabama RQE in March. Had the cast win in, uh, at Autumn Oaks and the cast win at the Zones. That got him to the top 100 of the world. Yeah. So he's kind of been at only major events this year. Yeah, and, and he's done quite well. Yeah. And uh, going into the top 100, he said this is actually the first time he's ever made it to the top 100. Really? Yeah, first time yeah. he's made it through the zones. He's hunted yeah. in the zones a few times, but it's the first time going to the top 100. And yeah. He enjoyed himself. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he's going to get, what, $3,000 is what it pays to win this from uh, from UKC. So, uh, yeah, I can just uh, – just you like to see good guys uh, uh, do well, and, and here here's another one. And you know what? He comes uh, – he's going to be in a pretty elite group. The first uh, Triple Crown champion was in, in 2000, so uh, this is – he's number 22 is what it amounts to. But there's some pretty uh, pretty big names on this list. Yeah. It's a, it's a top list of dogs that have won this, and, like, it, it just shows consistency to be able to win in all different types of terrains and times yep. of year. Uh, just a steady, consistent cast winner, and that's what Nova must be. Yeah. Yep. You know, you're talking about, you know, in the South Winter Classic, the train's different there. Conditions are often different there in middle of February as opposed to Autumn Oaks. You know, middle of, uh, I say middle of summer, the end of summer is often still hot. You're back up in Indiana and then wherever the world championship zones are in the finals, you know. So, uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a test. Yeah. And uh, and like I said, it was the first time in the top 100. Uh, he got he got to make it there. His son Reese didn't get to come. It was in the middle of football season, the middle of school year. Uh, and he said, uh, talk to him about. He he was pretty bummed out. He didn't get to come. And I know Reese listens to this, bud. You got a you got a long time to hunt in front of you. But yeah. to, like your dad yeah. said, you, uh, it was important for him to hold up to the commitment that he made to his football team to be there and to and to be a part of that. And you got to commend that. That's that's for raising sure. the sun, right? For sure. Yep. For sure. And 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 a, a good little boy. And he is he is he loves. He is all in with it seems like with his sports at school or or going hunting and things like that. You always see him at the Winter Classic, you know, and he's just all into it. Yeah. 
Yeah, like you said, Greg, you got a you got a three thousand dollar check heading your way. It hit the mail yesterday. As a matter of fact, uh, got a jacket heading your way, an embroidered jacket to commemorate your win. And uh, I think your dad might have pulled some strings, and Reese may be having one coming on the way too. So uh, yeah. <laughs> you guys will be looking pretty sharp next year at Winter Classic whenever you get to come up on stage. So I'm looking forward to seeing you guys. Yeah, there. that's good stuff. This podcast is brought to you by the all new Dogtra Pathfinder Two. Dogtra, the official GPS collar partner of UKC. So uh, the program that's uh, really coming to an end here quick is our top 10 bench show program uh, that's been started November 1st of last year, and it runs all the way through October 31st of this year. So by the time you're listening to this, uh, this coming weekend is going to be your last chance to accrue any points towards that at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, No pressure there, but... uh, (laughs) It is coming up quick. Yeah, so it's uh, October thirty first. It ends, I, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so let me just go through it for you guys who are kind of uh, thinking about it or, or running for it and want to know how the process goes from here. Obviously, you've had all year to accrue points. On October thirty first, it's going to end, and then we're going to work our hardest to get all of our missing reports or reports that aren't in yet uh, in a timely manner, get them processed, and get the points finalized. And uh, we give ourselves to December thirty first to do that. Um, obviously at the end of October, it takes a a few weeks to get here, get them processed and we should be finalized before December 31st, but that's the absolute deadline to get points added to a dog's record, uh, to finalize the, the top 10 bench show standing points. And then, uh, the invitations are going to be sent out to those dogs who were in the top 10 of their breed, uh, shortly after that early January, whenever, whenever we, uh, get back in the office after our new year's break, those invitations will hit the mail for you. And you'll probably know if you're in or not, if you're keeping up with the uh, the standings on the website, but you'll get your official invite and uh, kind of the information of how the event goes. So you'll be ready by middle of uh, February, whenever Winter Classic rolls around. Yep. And uh, that's uh, that's always a good time and anticipation there of finalizing everything. And it's also a good time to just to uh, uh, kind of shout out to clubs, you know, that do have bench shows here in, in the last couple of months of the season here for the top 10, you know, ends October 31st, as you mentioned. Uh, to get those reports into us and how important that is to get them in so we can give everybody their due credit. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, some, uh, obviously there's, there's different ways to do that. You know, a lot of clubs now are, are taking the route of taking good, clear pictures or scanning their reports and emailing them into us and getting them processed the next day. And yeah, man, that, that's working pretty good for us now. So scanning that's an option is, for you Scanning guys. is the best way. Yeah. Just a good, uh, good just so it's good and legible for everybody right, to see. So, right. um, but uh, obviously, the standings are on, on are on the UKC Dogs website. If you go to the standings and results tab under Coonhounds, you can go look at the top ten standings. I've been updating that every other Tuesday for the past uh, six or eight months, however long it's been now. Yeah, and it's important, you know, when you update that, that's just based on the reports that we have in and processed. Right. You know? So uh, generally, it takes a report a good, you know, depends on when the club sends it in, you know, but it, you, you got to give it a good four or five days to get to the UKC office and then a day or two in the, and the ladies here in the office usually have it uh, processed pretty quickly. Right. And that, uh, the standings there on the website, those, those will continue to be this year's standings until we get this whole thing finalized, get invites out. And then, then we'll shift over to next year's standings, uh, starting November 1st. We're not going to publish those right away. We're going to get this one finalized, make sure everybody knows that they're in there 
And then uh, possibly around Winter Classic Dime, we'll transition to the next year's uh, standings. So that start way there's no start confusion. The new, start the new standings for yeah. the next year, right? Don't want to confuse any folks. and want to make sure that the people who are in it know that they're in it and they're able to go uh, compete at the Winter Classic. And that's kind of turning into a big deal show for us. I've always in, I'll enjoyed it in the past couple of years we've had it. Uh, and I, th- I hope that we're going to uh, – obviously, we've, we've uh, been putting a lot of effort into it as far as cutting off the arena floor and – and taking really high quality pictures and video and some things to put out. And I hope that we keep continuing to put more media coverage on it and talking to some of the upper management. I think that we're, we are going to try to put more of an emphasis on getting some quality content from that show. Yeah. And I'm getting the same thing. You've really been pushing for it and I'm I'm in 100% support of that. And I think it's, uh, I think we need to, and, uh, and really make this uh, a a big deal. It is a big deal, but uh, we also want to do our part and, and uh, like you said, we've done quite a bit with it too, but I think we can, it's not going to hurt to just try to do even more with it. So that's right. Yeah. So uh, really, really looking forward to to seeing how the top 10 shakes out. And and if you just have a couple more shows this weekend, uh, a chance to accrue points, don't feel discouraged. Uh, obviously some of the leaderboards for some of the breeds, the top is obviously they have really good point totals, but towards the end, there's still some room there to, to kind of slide in uh, black and tans right now, 48 points is the cutoff. Uh, that's a, that's attainable. If you're there close leopard hounds, only 21 points to get into the top 10 currently. So uh, if you're showing a leopard dog, you have a really good shot at getting in. If you go to a decent size show, uh, blue ticks, 52 points is the cutoff. Uh, as of this recording, English, 39 points, uh, plot, 38 points, red bone, 24 uh, if you've been showing Tree and Walker, hopefully you have some points accrued because it takes 82 points to get in the top 10 of that breed, uh, a very competitive breed. So. That's a very competitive yeah. breed right there, yeah. So, uh, And we're going to talk more about our our top 10 and stuff winners. We're so close to the to the finalizing our list right now. It kind of be uh, – I don't want to make this, this show irrelevant by talking about who the leaders right. are and what they've done whenever we're about to finalize the list in two weeks. Then yeah. we can talk about the actual winners. Yeah, right. And really highlight that part of it then. And we're going to get into talking some some of those dogs and give those people credit for all the work they've put in this year. Right. And I'm, I'm looking forward to doing that and giving those people their due credit. For sure. So transitioning from the top 10, another thing that we talked about uh, just a little bit ago, Tournament of Champions. It's coming down to the nitty-gritty here for people. Um, you got just a couple more months to accrue cast wins on your dog's record to get those five cast wins this year and get qualified for next year's tournament. And just a, just a fun program. You see it on, we see it on our social media sites all, you know, all the time qualified for the TOC, you know, I see it everywhere and it's a, it's a becoming a very popular, uh, program, you know, the TOC tournament of champions, but yeah. And, uh, a lot of dogs getting qualified again this year. Yeah, seems like Good in the past see. couple of weeks, every every weekend I wake up and I scroll through there to see, you know, who's posting pictures from their weekend events. Yeah. And it's got my fifth win, qualified for the TOC this year, seeing it more and more. So that list is just going to grow and grow. Well, here we are recording this in the middle of October, about the 20th of October here, I guess. But uh, uh, last year, the last couple of years, you know, you had a lot of guys come December that had that fourth win and thinking they they're going to get that and just – lost out so uh don't don't be one of those guys this year you know take uh get out there and get your they don't come free you know That's right. so. <laughs> get out there and give yourself a little bit of leeway at least right right yeah. uh, there's still time then there's going to be a lot of dogs right now sitting at three and four cast wins right there's a lot there's a, a lot. lot right now and uh, i'd say right now i know obviously we're more than three quarters of the way through the calendar year but as far as processing report and getting in uh, event reports we're probably three quarters of the way through with that so right. let's take a little look at the toc right now at the three-quarter way mark of the year yeah uh, we're sitting as of the update that was last 
last Tuesday. So that would have been uh, uh, October 10th was the last update on our, our website. So um, so this is the numbers as of October 10th. And remember, that's not as if you had a win October 9th, that one wasn't processed right. yet. It would have been uh, the reports processed by October 10th. We're sitting with 778 dogs qualified currently, which is really strong. Yeah, uh, it's, very it's strong. Right on very pace strong. with last year, if not a little bit ahead of last year's pace. And uh, really tickled with the number of dogs right yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, right now, our breed breakdown, we got 50 black and pans qualified, two leopards, 72 blue ticks, 113 English hounds. That's pretty strong there. That is strong yeah, showing strong. by then. Yep. Uh, seven plots, 25 red bones, 484 walkers, and 25 expreds. Yeah, 25 expreds. That's good too. I'm, I'm not sure what we had last year. I don't know if you know or not, but that seems strong to me as well. Yeah, they seem to be coming more and more relevant, mm -hmm. it seems like. Absolutely. Yeah. Leaving their mark on it. Right. Uh, male, female breakdown 422 males, 356 females. And a little bit of our top performance states. Let's look at our top five performance states. There's Kentucky again at the top. <laughs> a, lot of a lot of familiar names here. Kentucky yeah. has 74 dogs qualified. Indiana nipping at their heels right now with 73. 73. Um, Ohio in third there with 65. Missouri with 56. Drop the drop it right there from Missouri a little bit. It, that's a state that doesn't get quite the recognition it, it deserves. I think of always being in the top near the top in uh, hunt entries, show entries, right. just all their all yeah. their clubs put a lot of emphasis on it. They seem to do an awesome job. So uh, we talk a lot about Kentucky, Indiana, Ohio, but Missouri is always right there with those guys. And then Tennessee rounds out the top five with 40, 49 qualified dogs. Yeah, that's and, a uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not really surprised. You know, Kentucky, Indiana, Ohio. You know, you would think one would probably think Ohio or Indiana, Ohio, and then maybe Kentucky and a couple of the others. But there you go. Kentucky's on top of it here. Yeah. They like this TOC. They've been they've been up there in about all of our each year in in some of the top standings that we've uh, talked they, about. They led the country in yeah. qualified dogs the past two years, yeah. and this they're going for a third. Indiana's right there on their heels, but. One thing that's interesting to me is now we're getting here to the later part of the year. Uh, the northern states are probably going to be wrapping up a lot of their competition hunts now with winter setting in, and some of the southern states may may come on and get more dogs from that part of the country. Get right. Well, today's today's date is October the 18th, actually, and uh, I know south of me, I live right on the Indiana-Michigan line, and today my brother is about an hour south of me, and they're covered in snow today, so <laughs> winter is coming early, so uh, yeah. Some of it, some of these northern states are going to be uh, uh, done here before too long, probably. Talking just about this time of year, it, it seems like this year uh, the acorns have have fallen so quick. This year, to me, it seems like everything's a little ahead of pace. Yeah. Uh, and I've, out of the past six trades I've made, which was last night, I made four drops, and then uh, two the night before we left for uh, for the uh, Gun Dog Nationals, made six trades. Three of the last six trades I've had have had two coons in them. Yeah, is that are they yeah. rutting already? Is that, I don't they know. It seems early seems what? early. It seems that seems early. You think I would, they're just fading I, I would, now. I would say yeah. so. Just but you know, talking about acorns, you know, you and I were at the at the Beagle event, and they had a big old white oak out yeah. there behind the clubhouse, sitting out there. That thing you wouldn't want to sit underneath of that thing. That it was dropping acorns all weekend long. Just every seemed like every ten seconds you'd hear acorns dropping. Yeah, I had one of the old timers tell me that when the acorn. Uh, crop is this strong that means there's going to be a lot of snow this winter i was like yeah, yeah appreciate yeah. that love to hear that <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh so uh so transitioning to some of the from the top performing states let's talk about some of the top performing dogs this year 
Uh, kind of a familiar name right here. First off, 26 cast wins this year. Grand Knight Champion Hall of Fame, Trusty's King Rolo. Tree and Walker mail on by Drew Estep in West Virginia. I think he's just getting these wins. We've talked about this dog a couple times, and he's just wanting to give us reason to talk about his dog, isn't he? <laughs> he is. I, Drew, he, he likes being mentioned on the podcast, I guess, because he just keeps on winning with it, old Rolo. 26 cast wins. That's crazy. For, strong. Yeah, it is strong. For sure. Well, congratulations to Drew with Rolo. Going to be tough to catch yeah. him at this point for yeah. anybody. Well, uh, it's not like it's a competition, yeah. I guess. But uh, hey, we're just uh, we want to cover some of the dogs that have a, a, a lot of wins, and this is a this is a program where we're uh, capturing that data. You know, so that's yeah. a uh, might as well highlight. Absolutely. It. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, second, sixteen wins, so ten less than than uh, Rolo there, but still quite a few for Missouri a Grand Knight champion. Missouri Honey dog. cuts, ball and buck. Trian Walker mail on by Steve Honeycutt in Missouri, yeah. like you said, out there getting his uh, federation points. Uh, 15 wins here. Uh, Grand Knight champion, black superstar, a little black and tan female, young female owned by Mark Walker in Missouri. Yeah. I've seen this dog black at a few tan. different events. Black and now. tan. Uh, Mark is sure likes this female. She's having a lot of good luck, and uh, she must be tough to beat because she wins just about every event I'm at. She gets a cast win somewhere. And then we got five uh, five dogs here tied with 14 wins apiece. And to go through them real quick, uh, we'll go Grand Knight Champion 2, Roberts Backwoods Quinn, a tree and walker female owned by Jason Roberts of South Carolina. Uh, Grand Knight Champion 3, C's Chisholm, an, an ex-bred owned by Dylan Castro of Oklahoma. Grand Knight Champion Flat Rock Scotty, a tree and walker female owned by Scott Peterson of, and Marion Cox of Oklahoma. Uh Grand Knight champion, Flat Timber, Lookout Rip, a black and tan male owned by Trenton and Tristan Livingston of Ohio. That dog was in the Grand 16 this year. I That's right. That's just a young dog as well. I think 13 or 14 yeah, months old. Yeah, young, young. Must have yeah, done a 14. lot of winning this year, obviously. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And another young dog here that people might be familiar with, Grand Knight champion, Shaq Southern Stogie. A tree and Walker mail on by Cheyenne Cummings, Ronnie Smith, and Ike Rainey. Yeah, that dog that dog made a lot of waves just here this last weekend or whatever. And uh, uh, congratulations to him. He won the PKC World Championship. Yeah, uh, great dog man and well-deserving. Yep. Yep. Cheyenne's uh, son-in-law just won our UKC World Championship a couple weeks ago. Right. And then they did this here. And, man, probably a good couple weeks for this family. Yeah, you know, and I would say uh, they're probably thinking about what they're going to breed old uh, Jenna to, and I, I don't think they're going to probably look too far, I wouldn't think. I don't think she needs to go too far at all. I think <laughs> I think we'll be seeing that cross pretty soon on old Jenna. Yeah, I have I have uh, heard a lot of good things about this Stogie dog, and 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 straight from Cheyenne too. He's a they they say he's a nice a nice young male there. So yeah, but fourteen wins here and. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll see him in the TOC next year for sure. Yeah, and like we said, we got about two and a half months left here for people to accrue wins. Uh, let's see who can uh, who can bust through this top here and who can get the who can get on this uh, list of the top winners of the year at, by the time it's all said and done. If you're trying to contact UKC, don't wait on hold. Use the online chat feature on ukcdogs.com. Now it's time to talk a little bit about some rule changes. Uh, obviously, we uh, we did kind of a vague episode a few episodes back where we talked about what passed and what didn't at uh, the Automost Rules meeting, and that's our most listened to uh, podcast to date. So people seem to really like this kind of content. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they seem to be pretty popular, you know. So, uh, and I'm not really surprised, you know. We've uh, anytime, even in articles, we've done some surveys and things like that. It seems like the rule stuff has been a big hit. 
whether it's publications and now same here on the on the podcast stuff. So. And getting a lot of feedback about it, uh, people who are who are enjoying listening to uh, to us talk about the rules and uh, kind of getting the correct interpretations of the rules. And uh, and I think our whole intent of part of this podcast was to uh, make better officials, make better judges, make better hunters. And I think that's what we're going to see from this ultimately as we continue to dive deep into the rule book and some of their interpretations of certain rules. Right. The only thing, you know, for us, it kind of, it, it makes us stop and think before we speak here. You know, when we write about rules and this and that, we have the advantage or have the, are able to go back and read it and correct any, uh, anything that needs to be corrected here. When we say something, it's kind of out there. So, uh, got to, uh, uh, some every now and then you kind of catch yourself on it. I didn't say that correctly, you know, but yeah, uh, yeah but uh, hopefully we can uh, cover these two uh, uh, really explain them well. And, and and for anybody listening, we always talk about mentioning this on the podcast, but we oftentimes get uh, start talking and forget about it. But we've talked in depth about some different rule variations that are kind of advanced, I, might, uh, I would say. And I think this winter or maybe uh, whenever before we get to this, the busy spring competition season, we're going to take a take a chance to really uh, dumb it down and talk about the really basic rules uh, in our registry, and uh, and help out any beginners out there who may not be as well versed in the rules as some of the guys who are listening to uh, to our more in depth rule conversations. For sure, I feel like we've just not really had much of that opportunity yet. We've had so many other items that you know for topics and this and that, but we need to do that for sure. You know, because we do have a lot of. Uh, uh, beginners, starters, and I think we need to speak to them, you know, and, 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 and even just beyond that, not just rules, but also, you know, what they need to do or what to expect when they go to a club for the first time yeah. and what to do and things like that. So, yeah, for sure, we need to have some topics uh, uh, yeah, and to cover had, some of that stuff and, and we, the very, very basic rules like you mentioned. Yeah, and we've had conversations. I think we have – we have plans for kind of a, a larger scale uh, video podcast where we're going to go by the go through the rules one by one down each rule and and talk about each one a little bit and uh, and that'll be a little lengthy but it'll be worth listening for people and something they can always refer to. Yeah, well, I've always enjoyed talking about rules and I think you're starting to kind of get that itch too <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and also I think it would be good to just talk about some basic things about putting on events whether it's how to fill out a scorecard. I think a lot of people aren't. Uh, well versed in how to exactly how to fill out a scorecard. I think that would be a good segment for us to go over for beginners, people make more be, make people more comfortable filling out scorecards and also event reports. Yeah. Uh, I think that'll yeah. be a, a good for all of our clubs yeah. out there, especially with hunt directors becoming a more common uh, uh, format that people are using. Uh, having some talk about filling out event reports yeah, it, and the importance of it is going to be good content. Absolutely. You know, going back to score, filling out scorecards, you know, it seems like an easy thing to do and, and there's a, there's a right way and there's a, uh, to, to fill them out. Cause basically at the end of the day, what it should do is when the event official gets the scorecard, he should be able to look at it and it should tell him the story of what happened. Yeah. And if you have, if you don't have things in the right places, it's going to mess up that story. You know, he's not going to be able to do that. But, yeah, that would be a good one for sure. Yeah, I think uh, – so I think, you guys, the next couple of months, as we transition away from some of our major events, we're really going to get down to uh, the basics of some of that stuff. And I think it's going to be good stuff to listen to. And if nothing else, for uh, more advanced handlers, it's a good reminder. Yeah. So, yeah. But today uh, – so in our uh, November advisor column, uh, I, there are six, uh, six rule proposals that passed at Autumn Oaks. So I split them up in three and three. 
And in this week's uh, in this episode, we're going to talk about uh, three of the rule uh, rule changes that are going to take place in January of 2023. And the first one is going to be one that I figure we might as well go ahead and talk about. Uh, it's probably the more the most discussed one, like we've talked about on here a couple of times, and that's the passing of thermals. Yeah. Um, it's this is one that passed unanimously, seven nothing at Autumn Oaks. All seven breed associations pa- uh, voted for the passing of it. And obviously, if you look back at the proposal, it talked about the use of cell phone cameras and mirrors. Those were taken out as part of an amendment that that was uh, brought forth to the table. And the associations voted to pass this one seven nothing with the amendment that thermal imaging devices will be allowed to be used as scoring aids. Cell phone cameras and mirrors will not be allowed to correct, be used as scoring correct. aids. So just thermals only. Yeah. So uh, you know, some of the discussion that I keep getting from people is about the word aid and what it means in our rule book. And to be honest, they had me questioning myself. I went back to the dictionary and and to and to define the word aid. It's to help, to assist, and support. And I think that's exactly what thermal imaging devices are going to do. It will be. It yeah. will be. And I think when you you can think too far, too deep into something, and that's probably what's happening with some of that. But it is, and that is a good uh, uh, a good word for it. It is a scoring aid. It will be a scoring aid. Right. So you're so basically how this which is does good. not mean that it's it's uh, you know that. Just because you have a hot spot, you can score it. You right, know? right. And, and where you're going to see this change at in the rule book is going to be under Rule Six R, where it talks about uh, it talks about the scoring aids that you can use without get being scratched from the event. Right. Uh, right now, it lists uh, using your hunting light and your mechanical squaller and a, a, a laser pointer if it, uh, for use of showing people the coons or what right. have you. And this, but this is going to be added to that. And this will make four items that you can use. Yeah. And uh, with this being an aid, basically it's going to be exactly like a squalor, in my opinion, and your light in 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 the in the way that it's just going to help you find in the tree where the coon may be to focus your attention there and to help you find the coon yeah. at, at the end of the. And hunt. we're already seeing a lot of a lot of uh, people talking about it on on our uh, message forums and this and that, and some of it is a little unreasonable, and you know, but it is. It is merely nothing more or less than finding what part of the tree where the hot spot is, and that's where you're going to put your focus to find the raccoon. You still absolutely have to see the raccoon, yeah. and the majority of the cast has to see it. Yeah. Uh, this is just uh, to, to find that spot, and what it'll do, it'll eliminate you from, or it'll el- eliminate looking in places where it's not, where normally you might have spent uh, you know, all your time looking everywhere in the tree. Now you can kind of focus on the side where you're getting that heat and it's nothing more than that. And it's not a matter of, yeah, we can, it's, we can agree to, we can't agree to a majority says, yeah, we all got heat here and it should be, that's, we know that's it. You know, that's not what the rule rule still says. You have to see the, the game, right? You cannot score it just with this. This is an aid to find where it is. Beyond that, you just you still have to be able to see it. Yeah. So and, with, and if you if you go beyond that, if you score it or agree to score it, uh, just based on because you have heat here, you have the sensor shows that it's that you have something here. You don't even know what it is. If you it could be anything really. Right. Uh, that's just that's not going to work. That would be a form of uh, cheating, basically. Right. And I think people know they they uh, they hunted with these thermals and and we we see and talk of. If so, if you can use this device to see heat in a tree and focus your uh, attention there to help you find the coon, then shouldn't this thermal imaging device be used to tell you there's no heat in the tree, and then that way we can minus the coon? 
And I think that the people who are saying that are ones that have never used the thermal imaging device before. I agree. I agree. And reaching as well. But no, you're right. You know, it, it's you. You still have to. You still have to see it. And and the other, like you're talking about, where you're going with it is no. It's not going to be uh, take care of. You know, places that you can't see. Yeah. If you there's still places. If the if the tree is still has uh, places where a coon could hide. Even if you have this device, uh, you still have the you still have the right to circle a tree if it if a raccoon could be hiding right. uh, somewhere that you just can't see. Yeah. Just because you have that doesn't doesn't mean you can't now also circle a tree. Right. And if you've used the a lot of danger in doing that, sometimes you know these aren't always going to work flawlessly. No, they don't. They don't. I've been I've I've had the thermal now for I don't know four or five months now. I've used it at a lot of different trees and you just flat out. I can see the coon with my eyes. I'm looking at the body of the coon mm-hmm. and the thermal doesn't show me any heat at all. Right. So I, there's uh, a situation where a coon might've been laid up for a while and it's cooled off its body temperature. Might just be too much foliage in the tree and it's just too hot out and it's causing so much heat around it that you can't so see So many variables. Coon. Yeah. Way too many variables. It just wouldn't work that way. Yeah. So, so if just, just kind of use your common sense here and, just use use your best common sense here, and, and you you'll understand the the usefulness of this. We're in a raccoon hunt. Uh, we're trying to we're trying to uh, give the dog that has the best knife that trees the most coons is supposed to win this thing. And if we have a tool here, just like if using a squaller or using your light, if we have another tool that's going to help us uh, again, find it's those an aid. It's those. an aid, another yeah. aid that we can use to better to better help us uh, score the dogs accurately or find them. You know, absolutely. So. Uh, uh, but yeah, there's, you know, there's, uh, there's obviously other things that it might raise some concern, you know, as far as, uh, uh, you know, folks using thing, uh, doing it maliciously or using them maliciously. Let's say for instance, I go to my tree, uh, by myself, you know, and I might throw my, uh, um, throw my thermal up there to, to look, to see if there's something here. And if I'm not finding anything maybe close by, but you know what, uh, they're honor rules. Yeah. And there's a part, a big part of night hunts and has been that way since day one is honor. We have to, we have to, uh, also, uh, rely on our hunters that they are being honest, you know, so, and there will always be those that aren't being, but you know, that shame on them, you know, but I think for the most part, uh, people are honest. Yeah. To, uh, to, it's important to look at the positive sides of this change. Absolutely. And I think the positives far outweigh the negatives. Yes. Um, even right now, uh, thermals are not permitted in our events. Uh, are you going to be naive enough to think that if even if thermals aren't allowed, that somebody can't do that exact same thing when they're at a tree by themselves? Um, we'd be naive to think that. Yep. It's, it's, That's right. People That's right. who, people who are, uh, comfortable enough and, uh, and, uh, have that sort of self-respect to cheat in these hunts are going to find ways to cheat regardless whether exactly they're right. tampering with their uh their collar to make it uh, where they can tone or shock their dog right. or whether they're throwing beads up in a tree to make it look like coon eyes people have been cheating since the inception of these a very small percentage of people and uh why are we going to punish the entire crowd for those few handful the few people that are, are going to take advantage that's, of this? And that's exactly right. And I always say, you know, it's uh, eventually, usually those that are doing things wrong uh, like that, uh, will. it's just a matter of time. Yeah, that's right. They'll eventually hang themselves. Yeah, that's right. You'll usually find, you'll weed out the yep. bad ones. 
Uh, another question I keep getting about the thermals is uh, any sort of limitations on using thermals. If everybody in the cast doesn't have one, will I be able to use one? If I have one, but nobody else in the cast has one, do I have to let everybody use it? And if I don't let everybody use it, do I not? Am I not able to use it? I keep getting those kind of questions. And the answer is no. We have no limitations on people using these thermal imaging devices in UKC. Events. Well, it's it's really no different than let's let's compare it to using a light. If I go to a hunt and I don't have a light, am I, am I expecting you to shine all of my trees? You can say that might be unsportsmanlike of you for to not to do that. Right. But guess what? You know, I should have my own light too. Right. And if and if and I should also have my own squalor if I want to squall or what have you. And and the same is here. Hey, uh, kudos to those. I'm sure there'll be guys that uh, will be using their thermals to help uh, somebody else find sure their raccoon will. for sure. There and there will be guys that don't want to do that. But I don't think we should hold it against. There's uh, consider somebody to be unsportsmanlike just because they don't use it if uh, if 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 it's not their tree, so right. to speak. You know, but uh, uh, that's. Uh, I don't think we'd want to get into that. No. Uh, there's there's. Uh, mm. Yeah. There's no, nothing good would come of that. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've left my squalor hanging on my rear view mirror when I go walking into a, right. to a hunt. And right. there's always, in the majority of this, people are going to be helping you out, but that's not going to be a, a instance where they have to. And also, uh, this may help you find a coon or two uh, every now and then. But in the bulk of it, if there's a coon there, you're going to find it with or without right, the thermal. Right. We all know how to find right. coons exactly. if you're coon hunt. Exactly. And we've done it for how many years now? Since exactly. For years and years and years, hundreds of years. Get in there with your low they light. Used to find rac- find they, they used to find raccoons with lanterns, for goodness sakes. Be like Billy Coleman and go in there yeah. and chop down the tree. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you don't see Billy pulling out a thermal or anything like that. Hey, man. He had a whole, he had a whole barn full of yeah. hides. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, fast forwarding it from thermals now, let's talk a little bit about uh, a couple rule changes that where we're just removing warnings from these and basically going straight into uh, to minus and dogs. So the first one's going to be strike in your dog on or before the third bark. Um, this is one that passed back in my first year of working here at the 2018 uh, Oaks. It went into the 2019 rule book. Am yeah. I year off? 2020 rule book. Sorry. Yeah. So the so the rule with that was that you have to strike your dog on or before the third bark after the first minute of having turned your dog loose. Right. After a minute has expired, you've turned your dog loose, a minute's gone. Now you have to your dog could have opened up in that minute. You didn't, you weren't required to strike it. But once that minute's up, now on or before the third bark. So what happened if a dog made uh three barks or made four barks you and you didn't get it struck yet you in the old rule you got a warning on the first offense second offense you were minus and third offense you were you were scratched the warning just simply comes off now with this new rule change and it's as simple as now the first offense if you don't have your dog struck on or before the third bark you're going to take that position minus and the second uh second offense second time you do that uh, is now scratched. It just it just uh, removes that first warning for regular events. That is. That's right. Yeah, and I think it's important to note that this is another one that passed six to one. Most all the breed uh, breed associations were in favor of this. And just to be candid here and and transparent, I was in favor of this from just from some of the yeah. stuff I'm hearing in the yeah. field. Yeah. Um, this seemed like a necessary one as well as the one that we're going to talk about after this. A necessary change. Um, where it's kind of being manipulated out in the field a little bit more than we would like to hear and not uh, not being used in the way that the intent of the rule was right, when it passed right. originally, which was kind of to give a leeway to 
beginners and youth that are hunting out uh, yeah. who may not know the dogs as well as some yeah. of the people should. And quite frankly, I'm just going to be frank about it here. You know, it's a little disappointing, disheartening to hear from some guys that they will, hey, you gave us the opportunity to keep it in my back pocket. I'm going to use it and try it. In other words, if they could get away with with it, uh, then they got away with it, you know, and that is, that is what it is. I don't, but, you know. Right. Yeah, you kind of mentioned it there, alluded to it a little bit before that, though. This did pass with an amendment. Um, and uh, in our youth championship and YEP events, our, any of our youth-only our youth only events in the year, you're, they're still going to maintain that first defense warning. And the reason for that was when we implemented it three years ago when it was proposed uh, originally, it was had a lot to do with the youth, not to be so, you know, because a lot of them are – I have younger younger handlers, you know, and, and there is nothing malicious. They're wanting to get their dog struck. They want to make sure it's their dog. And before you know it, their dog's open more than three times. They didn't get it struck, you know, so we're, boom, we're giving them minus. So, yeah, with this proposal, it will still, uh, the warning will stay there for youth-only events, but yeah. not regular events. This is very important here where we get that clarified and make sure there's no uh, miscommunication or misclarifications here. Yeah. And we're in the early stages of starting to work on our 2023 rule book and uh, talking about how we're going to implement this rule. I think we've decided just to put maybe a, a section entirely about warnings where we kind of uh, highlight that in only in youth only events is the only time where these warnings are going to be in effect. Yeah. And when we say youth only events, it's important to note that that means only youth Youth only events, not not that it doesn't mean if a youth is in a regular cast that it applies to that youth. Or let's say there's uh, there's a cast that happens to have all youth in it. It doesn't apply to them. You know that's a regular event. It's youth only events like yep events or uh, just youth only events. Yeah. It's the only time that warning applies. Youth state or breed championships. Yep. And- uh, those are uh, the only youth-only events that we have throughout the year. Yep. Anybody, so, anybody, any handler, regardless of age, if they're competing in a regular event that is not a youth hunt, then that warning does not apply. Right. And just to kind of reiterate what you said earlier, now starting in January 2023 in a standard UKC license event, any any UKC license event that's not a youth-only event on the first offense and not striking your dog owner before the third bark, you're going to be minus your strike the available strike points. On your second offense, the dog's going to be scratched from the hunt. Correct. Uh, moving on to one that kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with it is calling the wrong dog. We're also removing the first offense warning for the, for calling the wrong dog in events. This and, one was probably a bigger one for youth kids, you know, for yeah. calling the wrong wrong dog. Getting amped up. You know, you're excited. Yep. You haven't hunted with your dog very yep. much. And you get out there, the first dog that opens, you strike your dog. But uh, uh, it seem, seems good in theory when you're, we're talking about it in the breed association meetings back on that rule change year a few years ago. And uh, this is one, actually, that's probably worse than the one that we just talked about yep. as far as yep. season handlers kind of taking advantage of it. And it's something that we're hearing at our major events from our top non-hunting judges where guys are out there striking the wrong dog, just trying to get a hundred strike or, or hold a strike high and making people minus them uh, for calling the or making people give them a warning for calling the wrong dog and taking yeah. advantage of it. And uh, And this one here is probably the one that most of our experienced hunters were carrying in their back pocket, just in case if they could get away with it, they used it, you know, and it's, uh, hey, really, it depends on how you look at it, but I look at it as a form of cheating, and quite frankly, it is. By all intents and purposes, it is, you know, so. um, Luckily, we're through with our major events this year. We only got another couple months where people can do that, and start next year, we're going to get it right now, so. 
uh, glad about that. But this is another one that the Breed Associations voted six to one to change it. So it's one that obviously they were hearing a lot about it too, and one that we needed to get fixed. And uh, luckily, it got it's getting fixed as well. And just like the warning removed from striking on or before the third bark, the same is going to be true for calling the wrong dog. It, it will only apply. That warning will only apply to youth only events. Right. I'm going to shove it right there in that same section where we're going to put the uh, the striking on for the third bark. Uh, in youth championships and YEP events, that's uh, any youth-only events throughout the year, only those events, like you mentioned for the last one, then they still have that first offense warning. Otherwise, in any UKC license event, that first offense uh, warning is being taken out. And, uh, you know, I, I, we uh, there was a lot of discussion uh, in the whole rules meeting. I thought it was an awesome rules meeting. We talked about that a little bit already, about uh, everybody did their homework before the event. And uh, a lot of the... Uh, discussion here between the breed associations and us was that we want to keep the rules in place to where we're able to help young uh, inexperienced handlers transition into being a competition hunter maybe they know, they know the rules well uh, but maybe like we said they get a little amped up and they call their own dog and it happens mistakes are made and and uh, and this is a way where they get to keep that first defense warning in those youth events to uh, to not bury themselves too deep or mice out of the hunt in those situations right you know and we we uh we have a lot of youth that that do hunt in them and we try to help them best we can you know but we've we've all been there at learning and part of learning is learning the rules and, and a big part of competing is knowing your dog yes and you don't you won't know your dog unless you do your homework you know and, and hunt with that dog to to learn their every bark you know and there's and sometimes you know dogs do sound you'll draw a dog that sure. sounds a lot alike but oftentimes if you really hunt with your dog enough you really tune your ear into what that, you know, tone, be it tones or what have you. Uh, there's, you know, the good handlers know exactly if it's right. their dog or if it's not. You know, it's all part of, uh, all part of the process of learning. And, and that's, the, that's just the difference oftentimes between uh, novice handlers and your intermediate and, and expert handlers. Absolutely. That's just the difference with all that, learning all that, you know, so, and it's part of it part of growing and uh i think uh with some of the rules that we have this year we're going to yeah. see a better quality handler and hopefully yeah. uh, get more people involved in these events you know it, it takes me back to when i first started you know just uh, excited to be in a hunt you oh, know yeah. and, and it's just the excitement of everything and if i'm i'm probably like a lot of or i probably was like a lot of young inexperienced handlers you tend to the thing where you mess up a lot of times is tree your dog too soon. Yeah, that's you for know, sure. Tree, tree old bandit, <laughs> you know. And before you know it, he's still just. And those points are hard to make up, you yeah, know. So that's it's right. uh, that's why it is important to know your dog, you know, because yeah. uh, it's hard enough to win as is, you know. But if you're giving away points as the handler, why uh, you're not doing your dog any favors? That's for sure. Absolutely. And uh, and just like the last one, uh, now in our any UKC license event outside of youth only events, the first offense of stri uh, striking the wrong dog is going to be is going to result in the available strike position being minus, and the second offense is going to result in the dog being scratched from the hunt. Correct. So uh, I hope you I hope you guys enjoyed us talking about these rules. We're going to talk about the other three rules that uh, got past Autumn Oaks in our next uh, our next Coonhound episode. And we're also going to talk about uh, some of the procedural things that we're looking into changing. Uh, that'll probably be in a few weeks. Uh, we got a few other episodes between now and then. I hope you guys are enjoying. I know there's a lot of crossover, but enjoying some of the different content that we've had, some of the Beagle episodes and the, the Retriever episodes and 
a shed dog and uh, there's a lot of good stuff in our hunting segment and i hope you guys are enjoying all that crossover and uh, and hearing about some other type of working dogs so uh until next time uh hope you guys enjoy this and hope you guys have a good hunting season Thanks for listening to the UKC Hunting Ops Podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and to like and follow UKC Hunting Ops on Facebook and Instagram.